This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello and welcome to the latest Agenda Podcast from the Blood Red Channel with myself, Matt Addison, alongside our Liverpool FC correspondent, Paul Gorst. I'm sure it hasn't escaped your notice that Liverpool have made two signings over the last few days, with Thiago Alcantara having already impressed at Stamford Bridge and Diogo Jota potentially to make his debut this evening against Lincoln City in the Carabao Cup. So what better time to get the inside story of how the two deals unfolded? Over the course of the next few minutes, we're going to take a look back at perhaps the most exciting 24 hours or so in terms of Liverpool transfers that there's been in a long time. Paul, welcome along to the podcast. We'll start with Diogo Jota, more because sort of most people will know more about Thiago than the Portuguese. We will come on to Thiago, of course, a little bit later, but a £41 million arrival, and it's almost gone a little bit under the radar. It has, hasn't it? It's strange. Um, I think it's obviously that's been taken up by the excitement of, of Thiago, a player who Liverpool fans have been hoping and wishing for for the best part of three months. So they've had a long time to kind of steal themselves for the day that that finally gets over the line and, and this was it. So I think that is why the attention has kind of been taken away from Diogo Jota a little bit. And especially given the fact that not a lot of people knew it was happening, did they? I mean, uh, we only really heard of, of interest up until, I mean, it was confirmed on the Saturday and we obviously had the, the big news line on the Friday night that it was a done deal and, and he would be on his way. But this wasn't one that was weeks or, or months in the making as, as far as our understanding went. It was all, all happened very fast and, and these transfers do tend to happen like that sometimes. Liverpool um, drew up a, a three-man shortlist with the Oro Jota, Ismail Assar, was someone who, who we had initially reported on the being interested a couple of months back. And uh, Jonathan David is the, the understanding as well from from Genk who went to uh, sorry Ghent and got Genk and Ghent confused for the obvious reason. Um, he ended up going to Lille, so Liverpool had those three on the shortlist. But um, a lot of it was down to kind of Pep Linders and and his role in the deal. And and he spoke today a little bit more about that in, in his press conference um, ahead of the Lincoln game. And and uh, he was someone who, who kind of drove home the fact that this is someone who Liverpool really needs. So um, very interesting day, as, as you say, in, in Liverpool's uh, transfer dealings. Probably, I'd say, as exciting as it's been since uh, Luis Suarez and Andy Carroll came through the door in, in 2011 in terms of a of, of pure incumbents. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of the deals that Liverpool fans have been waiting and hoping for and they will no doubt add uh, two huge injections of quality in their respective positions this season. Yeah, definitely. I think the the deal very much came out of nowhere, as you said. Liverpool moved very quickly, it seems, to to get that deal over the line. And and Pep Linders, as you say, very much uh, sort of sounding out his contacts over at Porto to try and get a bit more background on the player. I suppose that would have been a key reason why Liverpool was so keen. Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, it was made aware to me that Liverpool have kind of kept tabs on Jota since Liverpool, uh, since Wolves were promoted to the Premier League which is a couple of seasons ago now, wasn't it? And Jürgen Klopp was very impressed with his work rate, his willingness to press from the front, and his versatility. You know, all big green ticks in the boxes for Diogo Jota. And if you think of, of the Liverpool players, it's almost, you know, a perfect fit, isn't it? Because Liverpool's front three are all um, very good on the ball, um, top quality players, but they've also got... a a huge work rate that kind of underpins that quality, which is something that not every elite player has, but they've certainly got it. So 
he's a player who kind of matches up well to that and Pep Linder's called him a pressing machine. Um, but also, Linder's obviously, he worked for Porto for eight years, I think. He's, he's still only a particularly young coach himself, but he said that he actually played against um, Jota when they were younger players. So I think I think Linders might have been a little bit of a veteran at that time or, or Jota was a very young player coming through or maybe a mixture of the both because I think there's about 10, 10 or 11 years between them. Um, but he's someone who Linders know, knows well and, and he spoke to his contacts in, in Porto who obviously had Jota for a season on loan in 2016-17 and, and he initially came from the city of Porto and it was a Pacos de Ferreira who um, a Portuguese team based near near the city, I believe. So uh, he spoke to the relevant people there, and, and it was all you know glowing character references. And this is something that Liverpool do quite often, actually, in terms of their modern day recruitment. Now they they very much uh, it's very much a, a painstaking process. It's not just the case of seeing a player from afar and thinking that he's going to be good. So they they throw a bid into their team. It's all very much calculated, and, and the personality checks are, are developed. Um, almost as much as um, the playing ability on the pitch. So uh, we noticed that with, with Costa Shimakas, that was something that was made aware to us. Made you know we were told about as well. So it's it's very much um, very much a staple of Michael Edwards's um, working, if you like, with the players who were coming into the club to make sure that yes, they're up the required standards from a playing um, standpoint, but. These are going to be characters who are going to fit in well with the group, and it does seem to be that Diogo Jota is uh, an ideal fit from from everything that we're we're led to believe. Yeah, extensive background checks have have been made on him, and Jota's also got Champions League experience with Porto. He's obviously played in the Europa League with Wolves, and he's been at Atletico Madrid as well. I mean, how much do you think that would have played a part? Because I suppose as much as he's an excellent player, the background checks fitted. That experience of playing at the top level is is quite important as well. It is definitely. I mean, I think I think if you look at Wolves in, in kind of their Premier League status at the moment, they are a team, a very ambitious team who were kind of on the up, aren't they? They only got promoted was a couple of years back. And um the players they're signing and, and the fees they're paying and the profile of player they're looking to attract is kind of maybe a little bit above what most people might see them as at this stage, if that's not being a bit too disrespectful. Um, you look at players like Ruben Neves and João Coutinho, it, it was kind of interesting that they were playing for, for a club like Wolves. Um, but obviously they, they're an ambitious club who, who are looking to kind of grow over, over the coming years and, and maybe Diogo Jota is someone who, who fits into that same kind of profile. Um, as you mentioned earlier, he's someone who's played for Porto, why not Let's Go Madrid? So he's not um, someone who has kind of come up through the leagues and, and he hasn't got any experience of playing for, a, for a, you know, an elite European club because he obviously has that. But um, I think he, he's almost got an ideal ground and in terms of playing for the team who um, who is still, you know, middle of the road as far as the Premier League is concerned, but also has played for, for a top European club. So I think there are so many um, facets to this deal that are, are perfectly suited for Liverpool and I think that, I think the fee is probably a little bit much if I'm if I'm being 100 honest. But in terms of how the deal's structured and so on, it's not going to be something that's going to adversely affect Liverpool over the coming years. Um, and I do think he's someone who's going to be a good fit in terms of when one of the front three drop out, it's not going to be a huge drop off in quality that has sometimes been the issue. I think if you know if he fills in for let's say Roberto Firmino for five games on the trot if Firmino's injured. 
it's not going to be a case of having a, a massive detrimental effect on Liverpool because he's someone who who is um, very good and there's plenty of room to improve and, and grow. Yeah, only 23 as well. The sort of comparison has been made with someone like Sadio Mane, a statistical clone of Mane, according to Dave Hughes on the Analyzing Anfield podcast. And it, it does have to be said, they've come to Anfield at, at similar stages of their career and the background numbers seem to suggest that they could be on a similar trajectory, which I suppose is the exact type of signing that Liverpool tend to make. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that, that's why I think it's a kind of perfect storm for Liverpool is, is underlying numbers that fit in with players who they brought to the club before. You know, so much talk now, isn't there, of Lexi Wills Beeman and, and Ian Graham in the research departments and they've obviously, you know, looked at the numbers in an exhaustive amount of time. And then you've got the character checks from the likes of Linders who, who've spoken to people who've coached them before, who, who've managed them before. And then you've got the the all-seeing eye test, which is, um, you know, two years' experience in the Premier League and playing for a very um, ambitious and, and up-and-coming team at Wolves. So it does seem as though there are a lot of lot of things going for Diogo Jota, which is why Liverpool have brought him to the club. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see how he gets on and how Liverpool can kind of kick on um, in other competitions, really. Because, you know, if you think if he's going to be playing quite a lot in, in the FA Cup, in in the League Cup, then he's someone who who would be good enough to kind of make sure that Liverpool go a little bit further into those competitions. It's almost a signing similar, I think, to to, to Takumi Minamino that we saw obviously coming in January. He can play in a couple of different positions. And just as a final point, really, on Jota, I suppose it's that versatility as well that's going to help him get minutes because, as you say, he doesn't just play off the left. He can play through the middle. He can play a bit deeper. It's just another one of those players where... It's it's one that Liverpool have signed in the knowledge that they can do multiple jobs. Yeah, undoubtedly, I think I think if you look across Liverpool's squad, pretty much everyone except for the centre backs can play in at least two positions, um, and and this is no no different. Minamino, still not too sure where he's going to be best suited, but it does seem to be he's going to be a almost deputy to Roberto Firmino. Jota, his favourite position is probably where Mane is best at, but. He can come in on the right if Salah drops out or down the middle if Firmino drops out. And it's just a you know, one of the key characteristics for Jürgen Klopp play. You have to be able to operate in more than one or two positions. And um it, it does seem to be that the Jota is capable of doing that. The agenda on the Blood Red Channel. Let's move on a little bit to Thiago Alcantara, then the other player that Liverpool fans rightly getting very excited about. He wasn't an active target for much of the summer, but of course, we always knew that the market was very fluid and, and things could change. Yeah, I mean, he's been linked for the best part of three months, hasn't he? But it was only it was only last Monday when Liverpool finally reached out to, to Bayern Munich. And I think Liverpool might have been playing a waiting game, given the fact that they did leave it so late. They were waiting to see if you know a few more millions come off the the price target as it got closer towards that transfer deadline but it's our understanding that Bayern Munich made it clear that um, they wanted this situation done before the start of the Bundesliga defence which kicked off with an 8-0 eight, eight win over Schalke didn't it so it was all done and dusted quite early on um, Liverpool spoke to Bayern on the Monday he was a Liverpool player by the Friday afternoon Jim Moxon the club doctor was dispatched over to Munich so the medical didn't take up the whole day of Friday, so Liverpool could register him in time for Chelsea. Um, it was just a kind of one or two minor things he had to undertake when he, he came to Merseyside. And um, 
fantastic deal for Liverpool, an elite level midfielder. Probably, I um, think I wrote in the Blood Red column last week that he's probably Liverpool's most high-profile signer at the Premier League era. When you think of, he's only previously played for two clubs in Barcelona and Bayern Munich, two of the absolute biggest in the world, two-time Champions League winner. Um, it's going to be um, going to be great to watch him this season. And, and he, he came in and um, offered a tantalising glimpse, didn't he, with his 45 minutes at Stamford Bridge? Yeah, absolutely. Exceptional in that game. And I think he's won seven out of seven league titles in Bayern. So he's certainly got that sort of level of pedigree. I mean, just on that, I mean, Liverpool and, and Jurgen Klopp would have been aware of the quality of Thiago as everybody else was having seen him for, for most of you know his career playing at the absolute top level. But you know, what do you think changed for Liverpool this summer in order for them to make that move? Was there something that, that did change or was it, as you say, just more of a, a waiting game and, and waiting, waiting for the, the right moment in time? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've read something recently over, over the last couple of days that um, Liverpool, or Klopp rather, decided to, to give the green light on that move after watching him in the in the Champions League final. Liverpool were in Austria at the time, weren't they? And apparently there was a few beers and, and we were all sitting around watching the game and that was where I decided to give the thumbs up. But um, I, I just think maybe the, the, the fact that Liverpool have been able to structure the deal in a certain way has, has probably been... The biggest factor behind it because 20 million initially with a five five million up front is not a lot to pay for a player of Thiago's quality when you think of some of the sums that are banded about these days. But this is a summer that is unlike any other in Liverpool, don't they're not awash with cash. It's the reason why they kind of stayed clear of Ishmael Saar because Watford wanted their asking price pretty much up front. Um so I think I think that has probably been the biggest factor in the deal, Liverpool. As far as Jotters is concerned, they're only paying around about a 10% guarantee of the overall sum this year. And it's kind of structured and staggered over the course of the contract, which um, has, has been a massive help to Liverpool at a time of such financial uncertainty. So I think something similar has been agreed with Bayern Munich. And um, that, for me, is, is probably what has been, you know, the, the tipping point for Liverpool to go and get him. We know there's going to be a delay in fans returning to Anfield now again, but we did see that you reported earlier in the week about Liverpool's night kit sales going possibly better than what they anticipated. Do you think either of those things could have influenced the deal at all? No, I, I don't think so, because um, from the figures that I was made aware of um, earlier this week, it was that the home kids is up by 15% and, and the away kids is 30%, which is currently the highest selling away kit in the UK. But I don't think those kind of percentages mean that there's going to be, you know, tens of millions rolling into the club as a result. Um, and I'm not really, I mean, we're not accountants, are we? But we do seem to be talking about facts and figures a lot more these days in terms of um, Liverpool's um, balance sheets. But I don't really think the kit sales equates to money in the transfer kit. It's just probably, you know, uh, redistributed in so many different ways and there's so many different types of staff on the wage bill. It's impossible to say that that is what has been the defining factor. But over the next four or five years, it's going to be a a massive deal for everyone concerned. Yeah, one way that we do know Liverpool will have raised a little bit of money is the sale of Keanu Hoover to Wolves. Obviously, still very highly rated at at Liverpool as as far as we're aware. But I suppose it's that first team experience, the opportunity to go to Wolves was probably too big for, for him to turn down. Yeah, I think Keanu Hoover kind of falls into the, the Rian Brewster category of Liverpool. So, so 
so big on on their potential and, and what they can achieve. But then you hear that Liverpool, you know, aren't against selling Brewster. So um, I think if Liverpool are offered X amount of money for a player like Yana Hoover when you know he's only made four senior appearances, then they see that as very good business. Um, despite the potential of him going on to become a player who's probably worth 30, 40 million in, in you know, three or four years' time. I think that's just the gamble Liverpool have had to take this time because they're in a situation where, as we say, they're not particularly awash with cash. So it's £9 million down with a, an extra £4.5 million based on certain performance-based criteria and a 15% sell-on clause, which could could um, could that Liverpool have tied their profits in years to come. But um, I, I think he's unfortunately just become a, a victim of you know the situation that they're building in, where probably do need one or two um, additional first teamers, and have had to kind of sacrifice the young potential to, to bring that money in. Yeah, signed for about ninety thousand pounds in twenty eighteen, so it's a, a fair bit of profit for Liverpool. But I suppose it's a reminder, really, that as much as there is a really elite group of young talents coming through at Liverpool, not all of them are going to make it into that first team squad, and, and part of it is Liverpool's business model to buy them cheap, develop them, and the academy almost pays for itself like this. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I listened to a podcast about Alex Inglethorpe recently, and, and he said that. He said um, the academy isn't a charity, and, and they do have to kind of sing for the supper almost, and, and will only be, you know, yeah, become invested in if the showing results. So um, this is exactly it. And for all the potential that some players do have, ultimately... Um, there's only a small pool of players who are going to be good enough to, to come and play for Liverpool, particularly at a time now where they are arguably the, the, the best in the world. So if Liverpool can get huge profits on these players who they've kind of brought in for cheap and, and developed and honed over the years, then that ultimately is, is um, very prudent, sensible and a, a good way of working. And the lack of Hoover, of course, means there's one less option at senior level at centre-back. I think we both are on the same page here that Liverpool probably could do with another one in that position, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case at this stage. It doesn't, no. I mean, I was told a couple of weeks back that you know there is an acceptance that this is a fluid and unique market, which is kind of the, the phrase that was put to me. And um, that, that kind of made me believe that Liverpool were still kind of scouring the market for, for a potential addition to the defensive ranks, but given how well Firmino, Firmino performed uh, at Stamford Bridge on Sunday, that's probably eased a lot of people's concerns over that. Jürgen Klopp um, wouldn't suggest that he was one of them because he, I think he's been of the belief anyway that, that you know, Firmino was definitely someone who can fill in there anyway, but... Personally, I still would have liked to have seen them bring in someone, you know, quite cheap, uh, relatively cheap and experienced just to play, you know, what is it going to be, 10 games a season maybe. Um, but it looks like Liverpool are pressing on with the, um, the state of play as it stands and will possibly look to do their centre-back business next summer when they're a little bit more clear about their overall budgets and they'll look to maybe recruit someone of a, of a younger age and someone who's going to be at the club for you know five or ten years. Yeah, Ben White, one of the names we know that Liverpool have taken a look at over the last 12 months or so. And we mentioned Ismail Assar as well. They've both been scouted by the club. I mean, we have seen in the past that Liverpool have, have looked at players. Mohamed Salah, I think, was one of them that they wanted initially when he went to Chelsea and didn't get him then but went back. I mean, could you see a, a situation with 
either those two or, or other players where Liverpool could pretend? Certainly with White, yeah. I think uh, I, I was made aware that Liverpool had, had kind of scouted him extensively while he was he was on loan at Leeds last season, but there was a, an acceptance that he was always going to sign the new contract with Brighton, and I think he's coming in as ashamed of his replacement at the Amex this season. So I think not just Liverpool, I think there'll be other clubs kind of keeping a close eye on how he develops and, and how he gets on in his first full season in the Premier League. And if he does kind of continue on the upward trajectory, then I think we might see Liverpool kind of, um, you know, he can't say return to the table because they've never had it, but they're definitely keeping an eye on him. And they will continue to do that. And, you know, maybe... Next summer, it could be a case of he's someone who, who they do look at. Um, uh, Ishmael Asar, I think, is a little bit different. I think it was, as we mentioned, him being on the three-man shortlist. I think the fact that they've got the old goal Jota now means that uh, they're going to likely to, to cool interest in, in Saar and going to be interesting to see where his next move is because he's probably too good to, the, to be playing in the Championship. And, and I know Watford's manager came out after their League Cup defeat to, was at Newport and said that he can't really count on Saar and it looks like he's going to move on this window. So um, I would have thought that that might be that as far as the pills interest goes, but um, we shall see. Certainly not this window, at least anyway. Yeah, interesting stuff as ever. One to, to keep an eye on and transfers, of course, always grab the attention of supporters. There was a couple of big ones in the, the last few days and we will see what happens in the future. We'll be back, of course, across the Liverpool Echo and Blood Red this evening as Liverpool take on Lincoln. Plenty more content between now and then, of course, too. Make sure to like, comment and subscribe or leave us a review if you're listening to the show as a podcast. For now, though, from myself, Matt Addison, and from our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Ghost, thank you for watching and goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red channel.